The scripture today is from Matthew, chapter 26, verses 26 through 35. While they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will never again drink of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in the Father's kingdom. When they had sung the hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even if all fall away because of you, um, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly, I say to you, this very night, before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even though I must die with you, I will not de deny you. And so said all the disciples. What a weird dinner this must have been for Jesus and the disciples. What a strange occurrence it must have been. Uh, for those of you that are just joining us, we are going through the book of Matthew. We like to take books and we like to just go through them. And so right now we are kind of at the, a pivotal moment here. It's communion is what we call it. We celebrate it every, uh, uh, every week here at Neighbors. And for some of us, it's, uh, it, it may have even become a little bit routine. But this particular night, uh, something new was about to happen. Something... something Something strange was about to happen. Uh, Jesus was sitting with his disciples, it says, in the, in the upper room. What I like to think of is that it wasn't just the disciples. Uh, Jesus had the disciples, the 12, that were very close to him, but there were other people that joined him and followed him. Uh, there were women that paid for much of the meal. I mean, they, how would they be eating if the women weren't there to pay for it? Uh, they were there to pay for the lodging, you know? So, I mean, uh, they weren't going to take the money and just say, okay, now you guys wait outside. That's not going to happen. And so they, I imagine that there were probably uh, women there, probably children, friends, family. I kind of imagine it a little bit like this. You know, when we, uh, when we first put Neighbors together, we wanted it to resemble uh, kind of a first century service. And this is as close as we got, but a, a kind of a smaller gathering of people sitting. And you know, during the three-minute break, you could hear uh, people uh, joking. You could hear people uh, sharing, introducing themselves to each other, talking and I kind of imagine that that's what this dinner was about. It was like a celebration. And just like any dinner, you know, you always go to the movies and you, you see, uh, when you see a, a Jesus movie, um, that's what they put on the marquee, Jesus movie. But you, <laughs> you see, um, you know, uh, low lighting and everybody just looking holy and, and everyone just staring at Jesus. And, you know, it's like they wait for him to take the first bite, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Have you ever been to a dinner like that? Have you ever had dinner with friends and family where it's just, you, everyone just sits quietly and you just do nothing? Those are called awkward dinners. 
I've had some of them. I've hosted some of them. But most of the dinners that you have with your friends and the families, the people that you love, the people that you care for, it's, there's joking, there's, there's uh, uh, a joyous time, you know, there's singing. I imagine that this is what it was like. You know, we talk about that they were celebrating uh, Passover. Passover is a very uh, high uh, observance even to this day for our neighbors who are Jewish. It celebrates their um, exile out of Egypt. Uh, some people say that they were celebrating a Seder meal at this time. There's arguments over that, though. A lot of historians actually think that the Seder meal was not created. I mean, the, the actual logistics of it was not created until after uh, the fall of the temple. And so uh, we have debate over that. Some, uh, the, the, the Seder meal, by the way, is uh, where uh, uh, a Jewish family and friends would get together, and they will have specific things to... Uh, uh, symbolize their, uh, their freedom from Egypt, uh, remembering the Passover. Uh, this, we believe, was a round Passover, but it may not have been a Seder meal. It may have just been a meal. It may have been a time when they talked about the Passover. You know, like when we are, uh, you know, coming across Christmas, we don't just speak of Christmas on Christmas Day. We, we are talking about it all, all you know, all month. And that might have been what was happening to them. Passover was a huge, huge celebration. It still is to this day. But it was a huge celebration to where Israelites that even lived on the, uh, the outsides of the town would actually come into the town to celebrate this. Some of them would take um, uh, weeks to, to travel there, but they would do this for this, uh, this Passover meal. This was a, a, a celebration. It was a big, big celebration. And that's what Jesus was doing. So whether or not he was having an actual Seder meal or whether or not he was just having a meal with friends, it really doesn't matter. But you know that Passover was on their mind. Laughing and joking and sharing the meal, you know, doing, doing the things that we would normally do, you know, making toast, you know, all that kind of stuff. Thomas was asking whether it was gluten-free, you know, just <laughs> all that and then Jesus does this thing that is just bizarre. When it came time for the, the, you know, the, the bread, he holds up the bread. And he says, this is my body given to you. And you know that the minute that he said that, there would have been a hush in the room. That would have quieted every, everything. The, the laughter and the joy would have subsided then because what he said was so weird and so bizarre. They were used to people talking about, you know, the different things of the, the Exodus and Passover and all of this kind of stuff. But for him to hold this up and say, this is my body, it would have caused a little bit of a hush. And then for him to hold up the wine and say, this is my blood given to you. Well, I imagine that most of the people at the table would have been asking themselves, what is he talking about? And, and what is going on? It would have been a little confusing at the time. And you know what? It, it caused some confusion even in the first century. In the first century, uh, the followers of Jesus, we weren't called Christians yet. The, the Greeks actually came up with that. We were known as uh, the way or them, the followers of Jesus. And critics would say, you can't follow these guys. They're weird. They're cannibals. They don't only worship God, they eat him. It's so bizarre. What is all this stuff about? And they would criticize. 
And today people even think that what we think is that this celebration of communion is something that we're supposed to consume Jesus. But I, I want to I remind you that Jesus spoke a lot in metaphor. He spoke a lot in symbolism. He spoke a lot in story. And one thing that he knew of was that this was the Passover celebration. And one thing that he knew is that his disciples and the rest of the people that had any kind of background in the Jewish faith would be familiar with a term called sacrifice. Sacrifices throughout the entire Old Testament. There are about five different types of sacrifice. Sacrifice is the giving up of something that you hold dear for something else. Uh, it's the giving up of, there were uh, guilt sacrifices, there were grain sacrifices, there were um, uh, burnt offering sacrifices, where you would take the entire uh, prize flock and you would put it up and you would burn it. What you're saying is that uh, what is the most important thing to me, what is most dear to me, I give that up for God. Um, a lot of us think that the first mention of a sacrifice is actually mentioned in Genesis. Now, this is right after Adam and Eve uh, eat from the, the tree of knowledge, and suddenly they become aware that they are without clothes, and they become ashamed. And so what God does is he takes one of his own animals and takes the skin from them to clothe them, and to help them with their shame. We, we see this as the first sacrifice. God is taking something that is dear to him or her, and he is giving it to Adam and Eve to help them recover from their shame. So that's where we start to think about the first time that somebody has taken something important and sacrificed it to give to somebody else. It also shows up in Genesis later with Cain and Abel. Cain brings some fruit that he found on the ground, and then it says that Abel, you know, took the, uh, the, the first of his flock, and it, it says fat portions. Now, that sounds gross, but the, another translation for that is the choice offerings, the, the best of the, of the meat. And so what he's doing is he's taking his, his best uh, cow, cattle, whatever, and he's taking the best meat of that, and he's saying that's, it's more important for God to have that than me. And then God shows favor to Abel because he actually sacrificed something, whereas Cain just kind of went, you know, this is good. It has to be that, that sacrifice. And so the Israelites know these stories. They know how important it is to give something that is that important to you. Of course, this isn't working out very well for Abel in the long run. Neither does it for Cain. But Now, the one that they're celebrating at this dinner is the, uh, comes from uh, Exodus and what happened is that uh, God is freeing the Israelites that have been repressed, they have been bullied, they have been abused by the Egyptians for uh, generations. And Moses is trying to free his, his people. And this is a series of 10 different plagues to try to soften the heart of the Egyptian leader who his heart does not get softened. He remains abusive, he remains mean, he remains uh, uh, very, very cruel to the Israelite people. And on this night, 
is when the final plague comes, and the plague is so devastating, it will kill the firstborn of every Egyptian. Now, this is not something where we are supposed to say, you know, God just got so mad that he just killed the kids. This is something that as the Israelites read this, it is supposed to have that, that punch moment. It is supposed to be one of those things that make them aghast. It is supposed to be something that makes them say, it was this serious that we lost children from this. You're supposed to have that thing. When you're watching a movie and something like that happens, you're not supposed to say, oh, well, that's fine. You know, it just makes so much sense. You're supposed to take a step back on this. And what happens is God tells the Israelites to take a, a lamb for each family, and if your family's too small, to share it, to cut the lamb and to put blood on the doorstep and on the doorway. And then you're supposed to share the lamb and eat it, all of it, together. And the plague, the death plague that is coming, will see the blood on your door, and it will pass over. They're very familiar with this story. This is a story that uh, our Jewish neighbors and friends celebrate to this day, because it's this important. And they, their, their Seder meal that I was talking about symbolizes very much a lot of the action of the things that, that take place here. But the thing is, is that a lamb was sacrificed, shared as a meal, a communal meal, and the blood was used to save the people. Jesus knows this. He's kind of smart. He, he knows this. He knows that there's different types of sacrifice. In the Old Testament, there's grain sacrifices where people would sacrifice, they would take a piece of, uh, of make bread, and they would take some of it, and they would burn it, and they would give the rest to the, the priest. It was a way of honoring not only their, their God, but their place of worship. That's why we have donuts. I don't know. <laughs> there are burnt offerings where you would take something like a, a cow or something, your choice thing, and you would burn it all up. But then there were also ones that you were supposed to take parts of it, like Abel did, parts of the, the cow or the goat or the lamb, and, and burn that, and then you're supposed to share that with your community. It's a communal thing. You're, you're saying that not only is God important to me, but my community is important to me, and what I sacrifice goes to God, and what I sacrifice also goes to you. That's very important here, because what Jesus is doing is he is combining all of this in this story. As he sits at the table with his disciples and his friends, and they're thinking about the Passover, and they're thinking about the lamb that's been slaughtered, they're thinking about the lamb that has been shared as a community, they're thinking about the blood that's gone over the door, that's when he picks his moment and says, this is my body. In other words, behold, I am your lamb. And then he holds up the wine. And he said, this is my blood. And it's given for you. It is given for you. He, the way that he is talking connects very much to what they are there for and what they know. And what he is saying is that sacrifice then is this sacrifice now. That sacrifice saved you from Egypt this sacrifice saves you for eternity. 
Jesus knew that night that he was going to start a path of giving his life. He was not saying, you, you got to take me, cut me up, and, and share it and eat it. He was saying, just as the lamb that you shared in, in, the, in the Exodus, you share now. Just as the blood saved you, this blood will save you. What he's saying is, I am going to give my life for you because I love you. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. And then Peter jumps in and starts, Peter was a bonehead. Peter was just a, do you ever have one of those guys that just talks first and thinks second? Um, Allison describes me that way many times, but um, <laughs> Peter did that all the time. He, he, he spoke with his emotions. He would say stuff and he, he would regret it later. And he leads the charge. I will die for you, Jesus. This is my starring moment. Spotlight here, please. <laughs> and all the other disciples think, I, will, I wish I would have thought of that. How come Peter always gets to say things like that? And so they join in. We too, and all this kind of stuff. But what they don't realize is that Jesus has already said it. You will fall tonight. All of you will fall Tonight, Another translation on that uh, is stumble. But what it means is that your faith, tonight, it's going to crumble. What you feel about me, tonight, it's going to fall. You are going to fail me tonight. But when I rise again, I'll meet you in Galilee. In just one sentence... Jesus wraps up the entire scripture. In one sentence, he says, every one of you is a bonehead and every one of you is going to fall. Every one of you, your faith is going to be tested and you are going to flunk it with shining colors. You are going to flee when I need you the most. But guess what? I'll meet you here. I'll meet you in Galilee. Why? Because I love you. That's what this is all about. You're not perfect. You're going to stumble. You're going to fall. You're going to make mistakes. But it will be okay. It will be okay. That's why when we celebrate communion here, we say we celebrate it. Because it's a celebration of Christ saying, be reassured no matter how many times you stumble or fall, I will be here for you. I will give my life for you because I love you. Again, it's, it's as simple as that. I always think about those disciples. I call them knuckleheads because they are far better than I am. I have stumbled so many times. I have fallen flat on my face, and it is so good to know that Christ will be there for me. I think about that every time that we take communion. I think about that every time that we share that. I hope we never lose sight of that. That it's not just this symbolic, this is the blood, this is this, this is all this kind of stuff, and we, we get out the book and we try to read things and we make it sound like Shakespeare and sometimes we rhyme. It would be better in rhyme, wouldn't it? This is Jesus. He's here to please us. No, okay, I won't. 
It's, no, I... Do, do not threaten them with song. <laughs> this is what it's about. This laughter, this joy that you feel. Every single one of us, we come in here with a different story. Every single one of us, we have met challenges in our lives. We have failed in our lives. Some of us, we have failed so hard, we have taken others with them. Some of us, we feel alone. Some of us, we feel frightened. Some of us, just in this week, we have felt like giving up. But Christ is meeting us in Galilee. Christ is there with us. Simply because he loves us. May we remember that today. Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, help us to understand that you gave your all for us. Help us to understand why. There's always going to be a mystery to you, and we understand that. Help us be reassured that, that you do love us, even, even when we can't love ourselves. And help us remember that you love our neighbor, even when we struggle to love them too. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Every single one of us is a unique individual. Every single one of us comes from a different story in life. Every single one of us has faced joys and challenges. May every single one of us know that we are loved. And may we know that every single one of them are loved as well. The people we haven't met yet, the people we work with, the people that we meet in traffic that we just love to get insane. <laughs> Whoever it is, know that this night was for them too. Love God, love yourself, love your neighbor.